welcome to the Buckeye Investor. I'm your host, Demonte Hester. Join me as we interview ordinary people who have accomplished extraordinary things for the good and bad and the ugly. We'll define what wealth means and how you can achieve it too. Lead the life you want to live. Create the legacy you'd be proud of. Learn the rules and play the game. Without further ado, let's jump in. So welcome everybody to the Buckeye Investor Show. Today we have on a buy and hold investor from Columbus, Ohio, who has done a little bit of everything. So from house hacking to the Burr strategy, flipping and actively wholesaling uh, and building his business currently using private money, I would like to invite on uh, Josh Hively. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome, buddy. It's good to hear. So why don't you tell us then, Josh, from a, from a high level view, what all exactly do you do? Yeah. Um, so primarily our focus is um, as buy and hold investors. So um, we're looking to build a decent rental portfolio um, sort of lifestyle type business. Um, currently um, in pursuit of that, we are taking some time and have uh, been doing some marketing and some more transactional stuff like wholesaling and flipping uh, to try and build some capital, get some experience, uh, generate some deal flow, that kind of stuff. Awesome. So awesome, man. So from the beginning then, how did you get started in real estate investing? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I tell you where it really started was um, my fiance and I went on a fairly extensive international trip. Um, I guess it would have been late 2018. Um, and on that trip, um, we were in um, Central America. And I think then sort of just a realization of we'd like to do more traveling, less working. Um, I think it's a lot of people's uh, venture into, you know, investing or financial independence or whatever it is. And um, on that trip, uh, just that's when I really started listening to the podcast um, and then came aware of like the idea of financial independence and then started looking into, um, you know, ways to, to build actual wealth um, instead of just, you know, working um, sort of the standard um, from now until forever. Um, and, you know, all those things, uh, ultimately, the general consensus is that real estate is is the best way to um, to build wealth. So we dove in. Awesome. And then from my understanding, you started in 2019? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we bought our first building just last year. Um, we got a four unit here in Clintonville that we actually are currently house hacking, uh, and then, um, picked up a, uh, a duplex right after that almost too soon. Um, but that was a home run deal, perfect bird deal. Um, so yeah, those are the six units we have in our, for my fiance and I in our portfolio right now. Awesome. Let's talk a little bit about the house hack. Uh, do you feel like that's a, a great way for a, a rookie real estate investor to get started? And if not, what are some of the drawbacks to that strategy you think? Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think house hacking is like one of the most powerful 
strategies there are in, in real estate um, from so many different levels. Um, you know, you can even just, you know, at being able to get into a property with a three and a half percent down payment, you know, if you do decide to go the FHA route, um, which is what we did here, um, you know, we got a, a $350,000 building for maybe $12,000. Um, that's pretty powerful. Uh, and it's pretty cool. You can go up to a four unit. So we right. were previously in contract on a duplex and that kind of, that deal kind of fell out. Um, and then we came across a four unit and it's like, well, if we're going to, if we're getting such a deal, <laughs> might as well, uh, max it out. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, getting in with this sort of a lower barrier to entry is really powerful. Um, I think the other things that are really nice about it, if, you know, if you're getting into real estate, you need to know these things like property management and property maintenance and a lot of those types of things. And if you're living in the building, um, you can be really hands-on and really get that like firsthand experience. Um, so we do still like self-manage this building. Of course, it's yeah. easy because we live in it. Right. Um, and I, you know, field all the maintenance calls, which is also easy because my tools are in the basement. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think from a lot of ways for a rookie, um, and even not rookie, uh, it, it's a great strategy. Um, I know I've heard, I think recently, you know, on maybe bigger pockets podcast or something, you know, they were kind of throwing around the, the theory of if you just, you know, house hacked a single um, building per year, um, you know, you'd be pretty well off in a handful of years. So, right. uh, even moving forward, like, I think that we've, we've got our eyes set on a house hack after this one, we've actually already refinanced this out of our FHA loan. Um, got a PMI also. Yeah. Um, so drop that off. Yeah. We got a, a nice, uh, appraisal on the refinance and got, actually got myself off the loan as well. So, but got the FHA loan back in our pocket. So we're definitely looking to do um, another house hack after this. And, and I could see us doing that for several years to come. That's awesome, buddy. Uh, so what, what would you say the ultimate strategy is then uh, as far as like big picture, where are you guys trying to end up at? Um, yeah, I mean, like if you like the Burr strategy is, I think is the end all be all, um, you know, if you can pick up, uh, buy and hold rental properties, uh, with little to no of your own money. Um, I mean, it's all day. Life. Yeah. All day. Um, like, you know, we, like I said, we, we have a duplex that we own over on the West side. Um, and you know, we actually got cash back on that refinance and um, that place cash flows really well. Uh, I mean, again, you know, if you could just do one of those, if I could just do one of those every year. For uh, bird deal or a house hack? The bird deal. The bird deal. Yeah. I and mean, if you could just rinse and repeat that once per year um, in the next handful of years, you're in a really good position. Right. So, so let's talk then a little bit then about how a rookie can get started doing the bird deal. Um, kind of like in your situation where like you started off house hacking um, and then picked up, you know, that bird deal on the West side. Uh, what was that process like for you? 
Yeah. Um, it's scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll tell you one of the best things about that deal that we did. So like I said, um, that deal, so we bought this four unit and we basically full rehabbed each of the unit, uh, three of the four units. Um, and we were doing that ourselves. So, uh, my wife and I, fiance and I were both working full time, uh, you know, working day jobs and then working here, uh, rerunning electrical and all kinds of full rehab stuff, uh, in the evenings. And then that, that duplex deal really fell into our laps and we were not at all ready for it. Um, but it seemed like a good deal. So we kind of were exploring it. Uh, and we basically have made the decision, like, unless we can get this duplex um, at the right price to where it is 100% for sure, a perfect bird deal, um, we're not going to do it because we're not really ready. Um, the other part of that, too, was we raised all of the money um, from friends and family. So, um, you know, we had it had to be you know, set up to where we would get all of the money back in the refinance because none of it was ours. We couldn't afford um, to, you know, have five grand get stuck in that deal. So um, it was a lot of analysis, just like several nights in a row of like, okay, what is the ARV? Um, and actually one of the interesting things we did on that deal was on our initial or one of our walkthroughs when, you know, we were doing our due diligence, um, we actually took an appraiser cause I was like, I need to know like what this thing is going to appraise for when it's all fixed up. Um, and that actually saved us 10 grand cause we were going to offer 65 grand, uh, and we ended up offering 55 cause the, uh, estimated appraisal came in a little lower than I expected. Uh, but we still got the deal. That's awesome, man. And I love that too, that like you, you guys, uh, yeah, you took action, obviously, but you also verified every bit of information that you could to make sure that you were going to protect everyone that was involved. So that's awesome. Uh, so what, uh, I heard you say you purchased it for 55. Yeah. So what was the, uh, rehab cost like? Um, I th that place was pretty rough. Um, I think we put about 30,000 into it. Um, it was full cosmetic on both sides. Um, the one side got bathroom went down to the studs and, uh, the other side had, um, they both had long-term tenants, like 15 years. And the one side had uh, a lot of cats and, uh, the cat pee actually was so bad. Uh, we had a handful of contractors who actually wouldn't even go in the house. Um, <laughs> you could, you know, you could stand inside for maybe two or three minutes before you really needed to step out and, and breathe. Um, so that one was pretty rough. We ended up, there was carpet in there. We ended up tearing up the carpet. Uh, the cat pee had soaked actually through the hardwood into the subfloor. So we had to tear out all the hardwood in that place. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of kills. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was say, you guys took that down as rookies. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was a lot probably, although I will say, so I have, uh, my sort of professional background is in like commercial facilities maintenance. Um, so 
I have, uh, and I've done some construction and stuff in the past, so I have pretty comfortable with um, tearing stuff up and fixing it again. Um, so it wasn't too bad. And again, it was mostly cosmetic. The foundation and things on that place um, were really solid. Electrical was updated. Um, so it wasn't a lot of big scary things. Um, just a lot of cat pee. Yes. <laughs> um, I always hear on bigger pockets a lot too. Uh, when you walk into a house and it smells like cat pee, you know, it smells like money. I hear that phrase quite a bit. Yeah. So that's awesome. And it just out of curiosity, what was the ARV on it? I mean, I'm guessing it had to be uh, enough to cover uh, all the private money. Yeah, I think um, I'd have to look back. You know, it'll praise somewhere around 130, 150. I think we maybe got um, five or 10 grand on the cash out refinance on that place. Um, actually, the cash, uh, cash back from that refinance we used to uh, refinance the other building. So we didn't actually keep any of it, but uh, definitely helped out the bottom line on both properties. That's awesome, man. So cool. Uh, I wanted to ask you as well, what was life like before real estate investing? Yeah, um, pretty wild. Um, I, uh, I've had a number of sort of various jobs throughout the years. Um, like I said, I've, I've done a lot of like commercial facilities maintenance. I've had a lot of pretty interesting jobs. Um, I did some like hotel maintenance for a while for Intercontinental Hotels Group. Uh, I did some maintenance for a bowling alley. So I'm actually as a bowling machine mechanic for a while. Um, and then actually the last eight years, I, I did maintenance uh, and some operational stuff for a zipline canopy tour here in Columbus called ZipZone. Um, and then some, I've done some consulting in that zipline industry as well. So some traveling and doing structural inspections and construction. Um, so a lot of those kind of jobs, which have all been uh, pretty enjoyable, um, but, you know, not high paying jobs necessarily, or, you know, in the, in the zipline industry, some of the more high paying stuff was a little bit more transient um, travel work. So uh, fun stuff, but not really uh, wealth building jobs. Um and sort of just a lack of real direction, um, you know, those kind of things. So. so I'm guessing you guys weren't, you know, financially well before uh, jumping in. Yeah. So for a number of years, um, I mean, yeah, definitely a number of years with literally no money. Uh, would, I used to just spend every dollar I could get a hold of. Um, and I actually remember like one of the first things that I did when I, when we decided to start like trying to save money and build wealth and these sort of things was um, I set up like an automatic transfer to a savings account. It was like 10 bucks a week. And it was like, that was like my, the, you know, the beginning of my savings uh, journey. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where it started, but definitely solid years of, having really nothing to my name that's awesome well that you are where you are now <laughs> um what part of your past do you feel has really made you who you are today then um yeah so 
I'd say the biggest thing is, um, so I spent a number of years, uh, my younger years, previous years, um, did quite a bit of drinking um, and sort of overcoming that uh, has definitely laid a foundation for everything that I'm currently building. Um, so that's been uh, about four and a half years now. So I can definitely attribute uh, everything that I have to my name today is is a thousand percent contributed to uh, that foundation. And like, hopefully we can just keep skyrocketing up, right? Oh yeah, to the moon. What was your motivation to start on this journey of real estate investing and entrepreneurship? Um, it's not as easy sometimes as just clocking in and out somewhere. So I was just wondering what was your motivation to start? Yeah, I think, um, like I mentioned earlier, sort of the one of the big catalysts was sort of getting that travel bug, um, going on my first international trip. Um, and then also just sort of coming out of the realization of like working for so long and having nothing really to show for it. Right. Um, so we did spend a lot of time in the beginning, like really dialing in like personal finances and um, we're still pretty heavy into that. Like we have really low expenses um, and that's like, that's hard, but um, it's important. Um, so yeah, I think just, you know, the learning about, you know, wealth and passive income um, and, and realizing you sort of starting from a position of, of nothing, um, I don't know, sort of motivating just to start and to learn that you can build something and then to try to start heading that direction. I think um, it's kind of probably more of a timing thing, just a life timing thing than any one particular, um, you know, moment. Uh, would you say it was pretty hard to get your, uh, your fiance on board also? No, um, actually, that's probably one of the best things about this whole journey is uh, she's a thousand percent on board um, the entire time. You know, I have a lot of people I do a lot of networking and that's one of the questions that people ask me a lot. I was like, how do you get your partner on board? Right. And I'm like, I have no idea. Mine just is. Um, and yeah, so like that makes it so much easier. And I get it. I know people struggle with that a lot. Their, you know, their partner doesn't want a house hack or you know, their partner wants to go out more and work less. And um, now my fiance, she's been on board from, from day one. I mean, we really, we spent a couple of years. Um, we were both like working two jobs her and I used to run a bar together. Um, so we'd both work full time during the day. And then like three nights a week, we were in a bar for 10 hours. Um, we did that for like a solid year or so. Um that's how, you know, that's how we built the down payment for the four unit. Um, so yeah, she, and she's, she's flipping houses right now too, and, and manage, helping manage some of our projects and all this stuff. So yeah, she's super on board. That's awesome. So then what were some of the challenges initially and how did you overcome those on this journey? Yeah. Um, I think probably the biggest challenge has just been like, there's a couple years where we were just grinding it out. Um, I still feel I was still in that a little bit. Um, we're trying to dial back. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the way from, you know, from the time of, you know, saving 
10 bucks a month or whatever, you know, and working hundred hour weeks. Um, and then even into like, we're okay. Now we're only working one job. Um, but we were like self rehabbing this entire four unit. Um, so then that was kind of the same, basically two or three jobs. Um, so I think that's, that's probably one of the biggest struggles is like just the grind, but looking back, it's kind of hard to imagine. Um, I guess had we known, well, knowing what we know now is totally worth it. I'd do it again. Um, but I think sort of not knowing exactly how long of that time period is, um, is helpful. Um, and yeah, I think overcoming, as far as overcoming that struggle, uh, is just really staying, you know, sort of keeping your eye on the prize, I guess. Um, the biggest thing for me was really staying in tune with the podcast and stuff, bigger pockets and all these other guys. Um, you know, they were saying a lot of things that you should do and I was just doing them. You know, some of those things don't come to fruition for 12 to 24 months, but it's like, okay, they said, they keep saying network, 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 network. I'm networking twice a week. Uh, I don't know. I haven't made any money yet, but, um, you know, that sort of stuff is, is definitely coming to fruition now. That's awesome. Cause, um, if I'm remembering correctly, you're also part of uh, the coin group too, right? Before the whole Corona thing happened. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, shout out to Coin, Jim Pfeiffer, and those guys. Um, that's a solid group. Um, yeah, I I try to stay connected to all those groups, man. Every, our business is is built on the back of relationships. Um, I've spent a lot of time at those all those meetups. Um, yeah, coin especially that that's definitely a good one. Awesome. And I noticed you got the home vester shirt on. Awesome. You want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, that's probably a whole episode in itself. But um yeah, so my partner, so back in November, uh, my partner Harvey Jurgen and I uh teamed up. We opened up a home investors franchise. That's when we got into um the marketing and the wholesaling. Um so um yeah i mean for folks who don't know about home investors basically a franchise model um you know real estate investment company so they help you know with the marketing and education and all that stuff um but yeah like i said it is a sort of a franchise model um i know you uh you also do like we also talked about you doing flipping wholesaling and a couple other things what led you into those ventures yeah um i think you know shortly before I had met Harvey, um, sort of having the realization of, you know, this was, this was in late 2019. Um, sort of having the res realization of like really bomber deals are hard to find. Um, and that's, you know, obviously a product of the, the market that we're currently in, but you know, and then seeing the wholesalers, you know, we looked, I looked at a lot of wholesale deals. I still do. We, we almost could use like a full-time employee to analyze wholesale deals. There's, there's a lot of them. Um, but I looked at so many wholesale deals and the numbers made great sense 
for the price that the wholesaler was in contract for. Um, you know, there was so many deals where it's like, you know, there's a, maybe a $10,000 assignment fee and it's like, I could do, I would do that deal all day for like $10,000 less. Um, which I mean, I, you know, I get it wholesale, <laughs> we wholesale too. So, you know, we got to make our money, but, um, yeah, so I think that was the thing. So then it was sort of the realization of like, if we really want to do volume deals, um, we need to get direct to seller. Um, sort of shortly after that realization is when, uh, you know, I connected with Harvey and, and we met and hung out for a while. And, and then he kind of pitched me on the idea of, of opening a home investors franchise. So that's how we ended up down that road. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, negotiating direct to seller is, is pretty sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, so tell me then a little bit more about that process, especially going direct to seller. Um, are you, uh, like, how are you getting these leads? Um, do you have like a team to like, you know, analyze them and kind of sort them from like, what's going to be good and bad? What is that? Yeah. Like? Um, so home investors helps with a lot of the marketing stuff. Um, they have a big, pretty big marketing company that they work with and sort of organizes all of that for us. And, um and then yeah when the leads come in it's not a crazy volume of leads at least for the amount of advertising that we spend um so harvey and i deal with most of those we do have um an admin um actually a virtual assistant who's in the philippines um she helps manage a lot of that contract stuff on the back end but yeah we take all of our call all of our calls we take live uh, when they come in and we go on every appointment, either Harvey or I. Uh, we do have two other guys that, that work for us um, kind of part-time, but they, they'll occasionally go on some appointments and things like that. But mo for the most part, Harvey and I are taking all of those. Uh, we take those inbound leads real serious. That's awesome. And I, I heard you mention also that you have a virtual assistant. Is that maybe something you wish you would have gotten sooner or um... – I guess like my a better question would be uh, like, how do you feel like a rookie could benefit from, you know, hiring out, uh, getting someone else involved in the business? Yeah. Um, the faith who is our, our virtual assistant um, has definitely been a game changer. I don't know that we should have hired her any sooner. I think we were pretty, pretty timely with that hire. Um, we definitely had no idea what we were doing when we decided to hire again. It's just like all these people are saying, you should have a virtual assistant. You should have a virtual assistant. It's like, well, I guess we should try a virtual assistant. Um, but absolute game changer to the business. Uh, she does a lot of work. She's, she's fantastic. And I, the real key there is she does her personality lends to doing well things that I'm, that myself and Harvey are not good at. Um, I personally, with my personality, I have no business um, dealing like contracts and you know a lot of that back end stuff. Um, I actually did it. I was sending over some documents to the title company today, and I think one of them I edited three three or four times because I kept for I kept forgetting to change stuff. You know, it's just not my thing. Um, and Faith is great at that stuff, so. We did, you know, we did a personality test with her before we hired her. Um, 
but yeah, there's a lot of things. Oftentimes I, I think about things that I know if it wasn't for her, they would never get done. Cause it's oftentimes they're sort of higher level things that I can have her help me put together and that I otherwise wouldn't. So that's definitely a huge, huge part of our team. Do you have any tips maybe for uh, someone's first hire uh, based on the experience you've yeah, had? Yeah, um, probably the biggest thing is um, you know looking into those personality tests. There's a bunch of them out there. Um, I don't know which one's the best. Probably just pick one. But I think part of that too is run the personality test on yourself um, and see you know what your strengths are and then basically hire the opposite. Um, at least to start, you know, you need somebody who is not doing the exact same stuff as that you're good at. Um, and usually with those personality exams, um, you can figure that out fairly easily. That was also definitely something I was looking into as well. Um, especially since we're also trying to go direct to seller. Um, and I'm, I'm like, I'm, you know, terrified of getting on the phone, terrified of, you know, cold calling all of that stuff. So I was like, I would feel like I would probably be better just finding someone sure, else. Yeah. For me. Yeah. There's, you know, but, that's uh, the other thing I think is, you know, if you're looking for a virtual assistant, um, you know, figuring out what they have experience with and, and things like that or the faith who works for us, um, and she had some previous experience in real estate um, and contract stuff. So that was super helpful, um, you know, lessens that learning curve a little bit. What does success look like to you? I think it's changed. Um, and it probably, well, maybe it won't change that much more. Um, but definitely changed a bit over the last couple of years. I think now it's, you know, it's mostly time. Um time is you know is, is a finite thing and um so i think that was you know our focus going into all of this is like how do we capture more of our time um so yeah awesome and do you feel like you are on that path to being successful now um yeah i think we're, we're trending up and to the right you know two years ago i didn't really have a net worth um and now you know, that's a, a positive number. So that. what are some of the regrets that you have on your journey up to this point? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I think and we actually talked about this um, the other day. I think that we've been, we've been pretty conservative. Um, I don't know, I would call it a regret. But maybe in the future, I'll think of it as one. Um, but I think it's it's allowed us to, you know, making sure that we're not scaling too soon, too fast. Um, you know, we're not buying bad deals. Um, you know, we're not upside down on anything. Um, so we've we've definitely been uber conservative. I know we see people paying for houses far more than than I would consider. Um, but so, yeah, I don't know, maybe that just it's, we've been kind of playing it safe. I, I think we're going to try to ramp up soon and, you know, we really want to kick up the rental side of things and, and start holding some property. And, um, but yeah, we've, we've been pretty conservative up to this point. Gotcha. 
what would you tell 18 year old you um I'm telling me they're going to start getting deeper yeah deeper. yeah um yeah i mean i think i i guess i would try to give him a copy of rich dad poor dad or something um you know just a basic explanation of assets versus liabilities and um you know buy and hold real estate that's that's the move all right then how should a newbie go about getting into your position three to five years from now if you could walk me through well like we talked about i mean house hacking is a great strategy for starting out um the other strategy that you don't hear people talk about as much um but and actually i'm doing myself now is so i actually just recently took um sort of a part-time project management position for some other local real estate investors um brad clarizio and brad parton um so i'm helping manage some of their projects now and that's a great strategy for somebody starting out um you know, just getting around other investors who are operating at an extremely high level and, um, you know, just getting that hands-on experience. I think so much of, of the knowledge in this industry is, is gained by experience. Um, you can read all the books and listen to all the podcasts, but until you do a deal or, you know, just in some rehabs and things like that, um, you, you learn so much more in the field. So, I think that's a great strategy just in, and there's a ton of people out there who need, um, help with things. And, and if you can kind of fill that gap, there's a lot of experience to be gained. Right. And at that point, you're also adding a ton of value as well. Um, right. Yeah. And, and well, and in my case, it's actually a paid, <laughs> um, so, um, you know, that helps too, but, um, yeah, I mean, so much of it, you know, even the stuff that I'm doing now is a lot of it is just like running around. So, um, you know, it's, it's tasks that are not necessarily either of those guys is like highest and best use of their time. Um, so if they can, you know, sort of offload that and not have to run across town, you know, three times a day, um, that, that helps at the higher level. What does wealth mean to you? Yeah, I think, well, sort of like we talked about, maybe similar to success, um, I think it comes back to a time thing, you know, uh, really trying to set this up so that we can spend a lot more time with, um, with my family and, um, our greater families and, um, just not quite, you know, letting time slip away. How big would you like to grow? Um, yeah, great question. Um, I guess it depends on, you know, the latest, uh, book or, um, podcast or, instagram feed that you've seen um it changes we you know we did talk we did have this discussion in the business the other day it's like okay what is really the trajectory here um you know last week alone i you know was on a call with a well a couple different calls with folks um you know who are holding rental properties like three four five hundred units um and that's that's pretty powerful um you know, talking to a guy who has 500 single family houses. Um, and then, so that kind of brings up the conversation like, well, do I need 500 single family houses? Uh, ultimately, I don't think so. Um, 
I don't know, 100 might be cool. Um, but yeah, we man, we really don't know. Uh, I also think like, um, you know, my fiance says all the time, like five free and clear rental properties is also um, pretty powerful. So yeah, I think it kind of depends and we don't necessarily have that hammered out yet. Um, you know, I know some people have, you know, that 4% rule sort of financial independence number or whatever it is, but, um, yeah, I don't know for sure. That's something, uh, my wife and I also kind of go back and forth on also. It's like, you know, we might need maybe 15 duplexes or something to be financially free. Um, and then I'm like, like, like you said, you'll see like uh, like an Instagram post or like the next podcast, the next book. And it's like, well, why don't I go bigger? Like, you know, like what's wrong? Yeah. And then, yeah. And you, you read the 10 X rule right. and then you're like, well, <laughs> I guess, if, I guess this is 3000 units. Right. I mean, <laughs> so it's like, let's, let's just buy all of America. <laughs> yeah. But I know, I think that's, you know, that's the thing that I think is worth. Um, it's, it's something that people should continuously be checking in on because I know even in sort of the FI community, um, a lot of people have that number when they start out and then it, it grows and or sometimes it lessens. And it, you know, it's got sort of a moving target, I think. I think it's also interesting too, you see a lot of people hit that like early retirement mark. Um, and a lot of times what happens uh, is people actually really do double down on their wealth and you know because now that you have when you have that time freedom um it allows you to explore things that you're you're interested in and you know and that's when you see people building these companies and um you know if you're really enjoying investing in real estate then you just kind of keep trending up um so and i I feel the exact same way um and we've kind of toyed around the idea of maybe going uh in the direction like maybe self-storage as we grow, as we uh, become financially free, um, maybe even multifamily, but I'm, I'm kind of like you, I'm just at that middle ground where it's like, eh, I guess one step at a time. <laughs> um, yeah. And we've talked about that too. Like, you know, right now we're really focused on distressed single family houses. Um, you know, I think once we get that really dialed in and, and kind of running on its own and, you know, get some more, uh, people in that business helping to run that. Um, yeah, maybe we do look to go up to, you know, larger multifamily or something like that. Or maybe we, maybe we try to drop the, you know, the distressed single family operation in another market. Who knows? And, and the cool thing about real estate is, uh, you know, once you figure it out it in one place, like it, it's pretty franchisable once you have all the systems down and you can pretty much take it wherever you want. Like you can get to you know that number and be like, all right, well, I'm gonna go sip some matas on the beach. See ya. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're already part of a franchise right. company uh, that's operating across the country. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> gives you options, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what steps do you feel like you need to uh, take in order to get to that goal? Um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a lot of just sort of forward progress. Um, so keeping sort of keeping an eye on the goals and, you know, making sure that we're still trending in the right direction. Um, I don't know that I have any sort of definitive steps, but, um, you know, we do try to look back occasionally and, and make sure, um, 
you know, we're still heading in the direction that we want to be going. And, you know, like you just kind of mentioned, you know, in real estate, even just in real estate, you know, it's, there's a lot of shiny stuff, you know, storage unit. Um, I've been guilty. I'm, I really want to own like a Dairy Queen. <laughs> um, you know, I also recently have been thinking a lot about car washes. Um, I listened to some bigger pockets business podcast and I got on a business buying kick for a while. Um, so yeah, just sort of, I think right now we're really trying to focus on just maintaining course and, and building out the distressed single family business. And what obstacles do you feel like would, uh, get in your way? Yeah. As far as obstacles, um, I feel like, kind of feel like there's a lot of obstacles. I don't know that there's necessarily any obstacles that aren't, uh, they can't overcome. Uh, I think, feel like every day I think of like, I come across an obstacle. Um, you know, we are always, you know, we raise some private money and then we get some deals and it's like, well, now we're out of private money. So it's sort of like a new obstacle is like, okay, now go raise more private money. And then, uh, you know, then we have more money than deals. So it's like, well, new obstacle, we need more deals. Um, so some of that stuff, but, uh, I think for me that a lot of that is kind of what keeps it, keeps it exciting. And, uh, the to-do list is hardly ever gets down to zero. Right. I don't think we really touched much on the private money aspect either. Um, so I, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to ask you is, uh, what, what does that process look like also? Uh, I know you also said you raise money from friends and family. Uh, I know most people are like, you know, I could never go to my family and ask for money. And like, how, how does that work with you guys? Yeah. Well, again, like starting out, it's, you know, it's sort of a, a product of like, well, I don't have any money. <laughs> um, and I want to buy expensive real estate, you know, in the hottest real estate market in the country. Um, so like, we're going to need to borrow somebody else's money. And I think the natural progression there is, well, it's really kind of to look wherever. So, you know, I think I always recommend people kind of start with their inner circle of like friends and family. Um, caveat to that though is like you know we did a significant amount of research you know we were we were learning and reading and networking you know for a solid year or something before we um you know bought our first building and, and then actually that even that building wasn't any private money um that didn't come till the second deal um so i think if you're going to go down that road like you got to be sure that um you know, you're going to be able to, to recapture that money and unless you, you know, are working with people who are interested in the long game, um, equity partners or whatever it is. But, um, so yeah, usually, you know, recommend people start out with like sort of their inner circle, friends and family. And, um, I think for a lot of people too, I think there's a lot of people who are interested in helping, um, and lending that you might not think would be so also just sort of a product of you know talking to people telling people what you're doing and and seeing if they're interested in getting involved 
Um, your real estate is sexy. People love to be able to say they invest in real estate. Um, and people like making money too. I mean, you know, the private money lenders we're working with now are making, you know, a substantial amount of money. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, I think it's, it's an opportunity for people to, for you to build your wealth and then those people to also build theirs. Um, you know, outside, once you get, you do eventually tap out, or at least for me, the friends and family, um, you know, did kind of run out. Um, although I guess I have like, Josh, I don't have, <laughs> yeah, I could go, uh, I haven't really gone into like the outer family circle. Um, so maybe worth exploring, but, um, you know, and then just, you know, your local network. So, you know, other professionals that, you know, or other real estate people, um, you know, we, and people, you know, started lending to us just cause you know, they've seen us around, they've seen us doing deals and, um, and then even, you know, I think we're getting to the point now where, uh, my next, my next sort of goal and, and raising private money is actually going even outside of the circle of real estate investors. I know because, you know, most people who real estate investors who are lending money, they know who they have a ton of people that they can lend to. Um, right. They have options. Yeah. So I think now we're kind of trending towards looking outside of that circle. And um, I don't really know where that is, but it, you know, there's way more money out there than there is deals. And, and especially, you know, people, a lot of people have money in the stock market and, you know, who knows what the stock market's going to do. So um, especially right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, um pitching to people that they can invest their money in real assets once you once you get a good grip on what that looks like um it's that's kind of an easy sell we're going to transition into the last segment of our show called the highlight wheel so i'm gonna ask you about seven questions or so and i just want you to come up with like the first thing that comes to your head for me are you ready yeah let's do it awesome buddy so the first question is what is one thing that you have done in your life that you could say you were the most proud of? Yeah, I would, uh, like we talked a little bit about earlier, I've got um, about four and a half years of uh, sobriety. And um, that definitely is is the foundation. Awesome. I love that too. Um, kind of not to get too sidetracked, but I noticed a lot of people kind of have that victim mentality when it comes to stuff like that. Um, they don't believe that they could, you know, bounce back, obviously, and be better. Um, and they kind of get stuck there. So, you know, all applause to you for coming out on top. Thanks. Uh, number two, what was the most rewarding thing you have done for someone else? Yeah, um, hmm, that's a good one. You know, I just can't really think of one big specific thing. I think kind of like we mentioned a minute ago, seems to be more small um, acts of kindness. I tell you, one of the things I've, I've been actually been doing quite a bit recently is uh, I've, you know, spending a lot of time driving around looking at houses and stuff. Um, and I don't know if it's just that I've been out and about more or if there's an increase in panhandlers, um, but I've been carrying around like extra fruit Um so I usually don't give them money, but I do usually have like an orange or something, which um, seems to be appreciated so far. So especially on the hot that's days. Awesome. Right. <laughs> but yeah. That's awesome. 
All right. Number three, what book have you gifted the most? Yeah, that's something that uh, I hope to do more of um, in the near future. Um, I need to just like order a big collection of, of these books. I am an avid reader. I think I, you know, before we bought our first building, I think I read nearly like 60 books on, um, you know, real estate, business, mindset, that sort of stuff. Um, so I haven't done a lot of book gifting. I think at, to date I've only gifted um, maybe one book. Uh, I got my brother a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, although I'm not sure if he's read it yet. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, um, but I, hopefully it's like sitting on a shelf somewhere. Maybe he'll pick it up one of these days, or maybe he'll listen to this podcast and, uh, and pick it back up. Right. But that's a good one. The other one that I've uh, recently thought about gifting and I, um, just have it yet would be the e math. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I just finished that one last month. I love it. Yeah. Michael Gerber is really, a uh, really detailed yeah. guy. <laughs> I think it was on the Bigger Pockets podcast. Also, mm-hmm. if he was from Ohio, I would love to have him on ours. But hit him up. Gotta come to Ohio. <laughs> Number four. Who's been the biggest influence on you in your life? Yeah, I said probably my parents. Um, in hindsight, um, I think you don't don't necessarily realize that in the moment, like when you're growing up or whatever. But um, yeah, I think you know a lot of the um, work ethic and values and things that I have now, I definitely attribute to um, the way I was raised. That's awesome, and uh, second time I've heard that now. <laughs> so I'm glad that people have some great parents. We need them. Yeah. <laughs> Number five. If the world was ending in 24 hours, what would be the first thing you would do? Um, probably just like a, try to set up a super kind of low-key, just family gathering. Um, you know, my aunt has a pool and a nice patio. Maybe we can all just kind of meet up over there and, and just hang out for the day. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I had Austin Rutherford on the last podcast, and he was like, yeah, "I'm gonna just fly all my family out, and uh, we're gonna just have like a big ass party." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, that sounds like yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He's a family guy, so um, yeah, I can see that. I also did listen to uh, the other episode with Nate, and I I love um, his his answer as well. It's just like just hightail it up a mountain somewhere with uh with his you know family um so that's pretty cool we're, we're kind of into that kind of stuff too climbing and such so yeah. that, that's a pretty good one too yeah he's a great guy i love that guy um we, we talk like uh like every other day right <laughs> um number six where can our listeners find out more about you yeah probably i've been trying to sort of get every funnel everyone to uh the instagram uh so at josh hively um not like i don't know if i would say i'm super active uh probably more active than some and i'm trying to have more of a presence there but yeah if you want to connect um i would try that um but all over really i'm on facebook bigger pockets um 
you know, my, my information's out there, you know, we're putting out wholesale deals. So those all have my name, number, email address, all that stuff. So if, if you want to get in touch, um, shouldn't be too hard. Awesome. And I'll, I'll link to all that stuff in the show notes for you as well. Right so on. if you guys want to find where Josh Hively is, uh, check the show notes. Last question, buddy. What is it that our listeners can bring you that will be of value to your life or your business? Yeah, good question. Thanks for asking. Um, honestly, like I think I mentioned, a, a little, touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, our, our business is really built on the back of, of relationships that we've built with other people in the community. Um, a lot of networking. It's it's something that COVID has sort of put a damper on, but we're trying to you know we're trying to keep it moving, trying to stay on the phone with people. Um, yeah, honestly, the most valuable thing is, is if, if the people want to connect, um, they actually, even if they don't want to connect, they should. <laughs> um, so yeah, just reach out. Uh, if, you know, if you're trying, if you're new, you're trying to get into real estate, reach out, we can help. Um, if you've been in real estate, you're doing deals, um, and you need to connect with somebody else. I, I'm sort of an aspiring super connector. Um, I, I absolutely love when people hit me up and, you know, and they need, you know, they have a question about, um, you know, some sort of creative finance or something. And I know somebody who's just recently did a seller finance deal or whatever it is, you know, and connecting those two people. Um, yeah, we, we love the connection. So just, yeah, if people want to reach out, they, they should for sure. Um, call, text, email, DM, whatever it is. Um, and then sort of on the flip side of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Snail mail. Yeah. Whatever. Um, (laughs) yeah. Come knock on my door. Um, (laughs) you know, on the flip side of that too, I, I, you know, really also appreciate, you know, if, if people know other people that I should be connecting with, if, if they could make that connection, um, you know, just a perpetual wheel of connections, uh, thus far has proven to be, um, pretty helpful for us. So yeah, I'd say that'd be pretty valuable. That's awesome, man. And, uh, again, like, uh, your name will be in the show notes. So, you know, everybody reach out to Josh, especially if you're uh, local here too, maybe you guys can grab some coffee. Um, you know, with mask on, obviously, because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> So awesome, man. Well, it was a pleasure having you with me today. Thanks for uh, having some virtual coffee with me since we can uh, meet up in person. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> no, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Not a problem, Josh. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you for joining us today on another amazing episode of The Buckeye Investor. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you can be notified every time we post a new episode. We would also really appreciate it if you left us a rating and review. This really helps us get this great content in front of more people. As always, keep striving for greatness, and I'll see you guys on the next one. Have a good one. Peace.